0: It's gonna be really interesting like i like pinto and i i remember everyone like and this is the thing that i think sense fans need to start realizing we need to stop looking at the draft we really need to stop looking at a player being like he was drafted way too early you know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late mark stone sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars pajot drafted i think in the fifth round and making five million hoffman Welcome to the Sens Hour podcast, your number one source for Sens content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka,
1: almost near Leaf country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there
0: because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third
1: game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially.
0: <laughs> Sends our Podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. It's not quite time for the madness that
1: is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players the chance to cash $100. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, you cash $100. Dollars, You can't lose with this type of bet, baby. That's right. All it takes is for one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. Sounds like a no-brainer, am I right? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this is, this is, you'd you have to be stupid not to take this type of deal. This slam dunk of an offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and get in on all of the action. If basketball isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey, soccer, and so, so much more. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion freaking dollars to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big damn Paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. Again, the promo code is THPN. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at $100 to one odds on any basketball team to hit one three-point shot. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9 with it. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Welcome to New York.
0: Attention, fans! This is the Devils State State of of Mind mind podcast, podcast. brought
1: Brought to you by the the Hockey hockey Podcast podcast, Network. Now, here's your host, 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 Neil Neil Villapiano. Villapiano. Woo! What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Oh my! Goodness, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, After the last two games, I, you know, I'm pretty patient usually with these things and I still try to bring the energy, but after now making it three losses in a row, uh, the Devils are really pushing my buttons when it comes to, you know, being able to have the energy that I need. But what's going on, guys? It's your host, Neil Piano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news and content about your New Jersey Devils. Hope you guys are having a good day. I hope you guys are having a better day than I've had today, because let let me tell you something. Having to come up with a script and trying to explain, in my own opinion, what I've seen over the last couple of games from the Devils, it was quite the challenge. It was quite the challenge. But I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Um, you know, hopefully my day gets a little bit better, um, but you know, it's just sometimes this is how the season goes. As always, we have a bunch to talk about today. We're basically just going to recap the last two games that Devils have played, the one they played against the Capitals on Sunday, and then the abysmal game that the Devils played on Tuesday at home against Buffalo. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we'll start, obviously, with the Devils matchup against the Washington Capitals back on Sunday. This was the first meeting of the season between the two teams. This is going to be the first of eight, like all the other teams in the Mass Mutual East Division. And there was a big milestone right away. And I mentioned it on the previous episode, and I'll mention it again here. Travis Zajac. Is, was going to be playing in his 1,000th career NHL game. And the Devils did a bunch of different things for him prior to this game that were just tremendous. The, the first thing that they did was they gave him a lap around by himself in warm-ups. You know, when the team took warm-ups, it was just Jack, kind of like what you would see when a rookie makes his NHL debut. They give him a solo lap by himself. The team also sported custom, you know, Uh, shirts that basically you know, celebrated Travis Zajac's 1,000 career games. It was the same shirt that we saw when the Devils players were wearing ones that said Jersey Made. It was the same style and everything, but it was still great. And we also saw during the first intermission of the game against Washington that the Devils had created a video with Travis Zajac's parents and I believe also some of his former teammates congratulating him on 1,000 career games. So all in all, This was a tremendous gesture by the New Jersey Devils organization to do all this. And for Travis Zajac to play 1,000 games as a devil, every single game he's played in the NHL has been with the New Jersey Devils, is really phenomenal when you really think about it. And I mentioned this before, and I'll mention it again, that I have been very critical of Travis Zajac over the last couple of years, especially after he signed that six-year contract after the 2012 season with the devils. He never really lived up to the offensive firepower that he gave us in 2012. Now maybe that could be because of of the guys he was playing with, you know, guys like Zach Parise, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk, Patrick Eliash, guys like that. And it just seemed like he could never carry the load that everybody expected him to. But he still was a very very productive player, particularly in the faceoff circle. Not as much this year, but in years past he's been one of the best face-off guys statistically. International Hockey League. But again, Zajac has done a tremendous job of representing the Devils, representing New Jersey super well. He's a consummate pro. I mean, he's a tremendous person both on and off the ice. And again, it was a big, big thing to have a guy play a thousand games with one organization. Not a lot of people get the chance to say that. Another interesting fact was Travis Zajac was part of the 2004 NHL draft. There was only one other player in the NHL right now from that draft that has played a thousand or more games with one NHL franchise. The other is the superstar of the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin. So that's a pretty good company to be you know, involved in if you consider all, all the things involved. But again, it was it's just an awesome thing for Travis Zajac. I congratulate him on a thousand games. And it was a long time coming. Cause if you remember, you know, the season last year was cut short and there was a good chance. He was going to get to a thousand games towards the end of last season. Then he plays the first, you know, seven to eight games of the season here to start this year. Then he gets put on the COVID list. Not only does he get COVID, but his family gets COVID. I mean, it was an absolute mess. He came back. His family's okay. He's okay. And he was able to play against Buffalo on Saturday to make a game at 999. And then on Sunday for game number 1,000. And obviously the game against Buffalo on Tuesday was game number 1,001. And the game that you guys are probably you know hearing for a preview of game 1,002 against Buffalo on Thursday night. So congratulations to Travis Zajac on reaching 1,000 career games in the National Hockey League. All of them with the New Jersey Devils. But to be honest with you, that's kind of where the fun sort of stopped. And I know that people want to be a little bit critical, but let me explain. First of all, like usual, the Devils come out in the first 10 minutes of the game and they are buzzing. They're putting pucks to the net. They're being aggressive in the defensive zone, not allowing Washington to really you know, set anything up. They're not allowing them to take it over the blue line and go from there. They're really shutting them down. And at about the halfway point of the first period, the devils were out shooting Washington seven to nothing. And you heard because the devils were on NBC that day with John Forsland and Pierre Maguire, Pierre Maguire was constantly praising the devil's defensive system through those first 10 minutes. He was saying, wow, they're, they're really not allowing Washington to do much of anything to really get going. And then there was a stoppage in play at a TV timeout. I think it was like the first or second TV timeout. And it seemed like after that TV timeout, the devil stopped being ultra aggressive. There were still in, you know incidents, you know left and right where the devils were aggressive but it wasn't a consistent thing they would come in little short spurts and that was about it and it just it the second period didn't the second half of the first period didn't really seem that good but nonetheless the devils were able to strike first in this game on the power play of all things mind you We have arguably one of the worst, if not the worst, power play in the National Hockey League. We're definitely in the lower 20s, and we've only scored, at least up until that point, we'd only scored about five or six power play goals out of 30, 40, whatever the case may be. I mean, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. But the Devils were able to somehow score on the power play when Kyle Palmieri dished it off to Andreas Janssen, who does a spin around that hits off of the right leg pad of goaltender Craig Anderson and into the net, and the Devils grab the lead 1-0 at the 1025 mark of the first. So obviously, that's a great thing, because like I said, the power play has been absolutely freaking disgusting in a very bad way. It just hasn't been clicking. Guys are not taking it. They're not shooting the puck more, and I remember, like I've always do, screaming at the TV, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And I have a couple of people watching the game and they're and they're trying to do reverse psychology, pass it, pass it, pass it. Even then it, it doesn't work. But in that case, Janssen was able to score there to give the Devils the lead. And to be honest with you, Andreas Janssen is starting to come into his own. We talked about him in the last episode and we're talking about him again. He had a goal and an assist in this game and we'll get into his assist in just a moment, but he has really, really started to get going. And he's built really good chemistry, particularly with Kyle Palmieri and Jack Hughes. So I hope that Lindy Ruff continues to use that line and keep it going because they're really, really getting things going. And I think once they get to, you know, full chemistry, they're going to be a major problem. Even if it's the second line of this team, it's still a very, very good line and makes our top six very, very dangerous. So the Devils took a one nothing lead, and, you know, that's where we sat at the end of the first period. So I looked at it, and I did say to myself, you know, we're kind of lucky that we're only up 1-0, well, that we're up one nothing, because, like I said, in the second half of that period, the Devils just kind of fell back on defense like we've seen for years where they're just allowing the other team to do whatever they want. But thank goodness for Aaron Dell, who was making his Devils debut He was in net making save after save. It looked like he had been there the entire year. He looked very calm, cool, and collected and was making a lot of really good saves despite the fact that he was getting a lot of traffic in front, which is not a surprise if you're a devil's net minder that you are going to end up having to save a boatload of shots because our defense does a very bad job of getting in front of shooters and blocking shots. And that's why the 18 block shots by Buffalo really pissed me off because the Devils only had three. And that was a pretty big reason why the Devils could score more than two goals in that game. But I digress. Let's shift to the second period. The Devils continued to struggle and allowed the caps to really get going. I mean, it just didn't look like the same Devils team that we had seen through the first 10 minutes. And I kept saying, the Capitals are going to score at some point. There's no way that Aaron Dell is going to be able to shut out the Capitals with the offensive firepower that they have. Ovechkin, TJ Oshie, Carlson, Nicholas Backstrom, you have a bunch of guys, even Tom Wilson, you have guys that could put the puck in the back of the net at any given moment, particularly on the main advantage. And that was a really important thing. And we're going to talk about that wholeheartedly in just a few minutes. But the Devils continue to remain in the lead as Aaron Dell continued to just be a brick wall, making save after save after save. But then about four minutes into the second period, the Devils got an odd man rush going the other way. It was a three on two. You had Jack Hughes going up the middle. Jansen took the puck to the right side and you had Kyle Palmieri down on the left side, kind of sneaking, trying to surprise some people, hoping that maybe Jansen could find him for a one-timer to kind of surprise the goaltender. I think if they've been able to make the pass there, they would have scored in that situation as well. But Jansen chipped the puck to Jack Hughes, who was able to get a step on his defender. It ticked off his stick, went top shelf off the bar and into the net to give the Devils a 2-0 lead. So again, this was where I was wondering to myself, how the hell are we up 2-0, considering how poorly we're playing right now? Like, we don't deserve to be up 2-0. And I looked at it and I said, sometimes there's nothing wrong with a little bit of luck but i wanted to hope that the devils could say okay we're up to nothing but we ha- we're not playing well we're not playing to we're not up to nothing and playing really well we're up to nothing and we've gotten a little bit of luck here so we have to start being more aggressive but it seemed like after that point after the devils made it to nothing it was completely all washington the rest of that game and it started when they got one of the goals back On the power play, it was a deflected goal by T.J. Oshie, his first goal in nine freaking games. They had mentioned on the broadcast that T.J. Oshie had not scored in nine games. And I knew, because I've seen this Devils team year in and year out, that they are the big ones when it comes to getting guys their first NHL goal, their first goal in how many games. All those crazy, you know, getting the monkey off your back situations. And, of course, T.J. Oshie scored that goal. It was a good deflection, and it was through a screen. For Dell. nothing you could do about it. It's frustrating, and I started, to, I started to say to myself, yep, here we go. This is where the Devils really have to hit the panic button and turn this around because the Capitals are coming. And they continued to put pucks to the net even after scoring that goal, but again, Arundel continued to make really good saves, and the Devils went into the second intermission up two to one. So I looked at it and I said, okay, we have to get the next goal. We have to go up two, three to one. And you know what was funny? And I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but I noticed it. This game up until it was two to one was very similar to the game we had against Boston last week. Because if you think about it, the Devils went up 2-0, then Boston scored, but then we were able to get that goal back not too long after it went to to 2-1, and we went up 3-1 going into the final period. So it was very, very similar. So I thought, okay, if we want to continue to make this as similar of a game as possible, we have to get that next goal because we needed to put some doubt in Washington that they were not going to win this game. And the Devils went back into their bullshit. I usually don't curse that much here, but today is going to be completely different. This was a bullshit third period. This was a slap dick third period. It wasn't that good. It wasn't that good at all. They didn't show up. They just allowed the Capitals to continue to take shot after shot after shot. At one point, the shots we something like 32 to 17 in favor of the Capitals. And I kept saying, they're going to score. They're going to score at some point. I don't know when, but they're going to score and they're going to tie this game. And what was really frustrating was that the only point in that third period that the Devils had a chance to turn the tide in this game was the first 40 seconds of it when Nikita Gusev, who obviously has had a big struggle to this season, he hit the post on a wide-open net. Now, obviously, it was a tough-angle shot. I'm not going to get that mad at him. And sometimes you just have bad puck luck, and that was the case there. Gusev was looking to finally get his first goal and, most importantly, get that two-goal lead back 40 seconds into the period, doesn't happen. And the Capitals would not allow the Devils to have any life after that point. It started with John Carlson beating Dell through a screen just about halfway through the third to tie the game to two. And at that point, I knew the Devils were not going to win this game because you could just see it. You could just see that the Devils did not believe in themselves, that they did not think that they could find a way to win this game, that they were just waiting for, you know, the car, the last card to fall. They were just waiting for the Capitals to put the nail in the coffin and to complete this comeback. And about three minutes later, that's exactly what happened as TJ Oshie was wide open in the slot. He got a pass, shot it through a screen that beat Dell, and the Capitals took the lead three to two. And again, TJ Oshie hadn't scored in nine freaking games, and of course, gets a two goal game against the devils and that is the second power play goal the devils gave up in this game but oh no 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 it gets better because about three minutes to go in the game the capitals went back on the power play and what the hell do you think they did well alexander ovechkin is standing on the right side of the net almost really just right in front of Mackenzie blackwood Wide open. Nobody on the defense is even looking at him. And Oshie makes a great pass to Ovechkin, who just taps it in while he one timed it in, but not as aggressive as he can into the empty net. And the Devils went down four to two. And that was the third and final goal given up on the power play. The Devils finished this game one for four on the penalty kill. One for four. Three times they gave up a power play goal. The Devils, this isn't even an argument. They are the worst penalty kill team in the National Hockey League and possibly historically. I mean, nine times out of ten, if you even have a half decent power play, you are going to score. And a lot of the blame for this is Elaine Nasruddin, who is in charge of the defense for the most part and especially the penalty kill. And to be honest with you, I was very, very, you know, approving of Elaine Nazardine staying on. I'm not anymore because we're going back to the John Hines BS where we're not doing well defensively. We're going back into a system that just doesn't work in the NHL. And he's not doing anything to help this team. And they're losing confidence game in and game out, especially when they go on the penalty kill. When we take a penalty, we know as Devils fans, we are going to give up a goal. We just know it. We, we just know it. And the other team knows it too. And the Capitals certainly, certainly saw that. Oh, and by the way, we were talking about goalless streaks. Alexander Ovechkin had not scored in four games until he scored against the Devils on that third power play. So the Devils nearly were able to make it five games in a row without Ovechkin scoring. But of course the Devils let Ovechkin end that streak as well. And then the Devils did something that they have routinely done in the past. And especially this year, scoring a goal when it's too little, too late, the Devils were able to cut the deficit to one with 11 seconds left on a Gusev rebound. And, Obviously, that's great for Gusev, for him to get a goal and get that monkey off of his back. But unless you have him on your fantasy team, it doesn't really mean anything. The Devils had literally no time, even though it was 11 seconds and a lot can happen in 11 seconds. They didn't have enough time to go down and score another goal to tie this game. And the Devils ended up losing this one 4-3 to and blowing a multiple goal lead. Hey, Devils fans, where have we seen that before? So all I'm saying is that this game made the loss to Buffalo the day before that much more frustrating because I'm going to be honest with you. I did not think the Devils were going to beat Washington prior to the game actually happening. I said, look, the best case scenario would obviously be get four points and go undefeated on this. But the more realistic one was get the win against Buffalo, and then maybe get a point against Washington. But they lose in regulation to Buffalo, and then they blow a multiple-goal lead against Washington the very, very next day on national TV, nonetheless. And that wasn't one of the the already-known national TV games the Devils were going to be on. This was because they had to move the second outdoor game at Lake Tahoe tonight, because the Sun decided to be a jerk to the first Lake Tahoe game. But that's not my team. We ain't talking about that here. But again, this loss made the loss to Buffalo that much more frustrating, and the Devils finished the weekend with two losses in regulation in day games. And this is why I do not like day games. And most players do not like day games, because they have a routine. And when you put them in a day game, it screws up the routine. That's the frustrating part. And the Devils got screwed and had to play back-to-back day games. And remember, guys, we're playing back-to-back on the weekends for virtually the rest of the season. And we're going to probably end up playing a lot more day games. So the Devils better be able to get used to that and start winning these games. Now let's shift to the game That really wanted me to punch a hole in the wall and that was the game against Buffalo on Tuesday. It was the first of a back-to-back. As you know, the Devils are playing, if you're listening to this on Thursday, they are playing tonight in the second of the back-to-backs, this game in Buffalo against the Sabres. The Sabres were coming off losing a hard-fought game to the New York Islanders the day before. So the Devils had a little bit more rest than Buffalo did. And Buffalo was still struggling. You know, Jeff Skinner was marked as a healthy scratch. You know, Taylor Hall hadn't scored a goal since the first game of the season. And they had a bunch of guys missing because of COVID and injuries. So this was a depleted Sabres team. And you should have come out in this game. Pissed off that you lost at home with Nico finally returning, with him being named a captain, with Zajac coming back. You let all that goodness just get washed away because you took a nap for 40 freaking minutes before you decided to play hockey. You would think going into this game against Buffalo on Tuesday that it would be different. For the first 15 minutes, maybe if I want to be generous, 15 minutes, they were aggressive. So the Devils are very consistent when it comes to coming out of the gates, being aggressive. But after that, the Devils looked lifeless. They looked like a team that had no business being on the ice. You know what it looked like? It looked like the same Devils team that we have seen for the past four, five years with John Hines as our head coach. They did not, they weren't aggressive. They weren't being creative. They were unimaginative. They were doing nothing, but luckily it was no score at the end of the first period, but the Sabres were coming on and just like in the Washington game, it was just it's a matter of time before Buffalo finally finds the back of the net and sure enough that ended up being the case. The Sabres hit the post at least four times in the first half of this game. They really didn't have a lot of puck luck. I mean, the amount of shots that they took that just rang off the pipe, they could have won this game 6 7 nothing. honestly. It really was that one-sided. The thing that really drove me up the wall was the fact that these guys on the on Buffalo had so much room to shoot. We just crashed the net and we're not going out and trying to play some man-to-man like defense at trying to get the puck in clear. We're allowing Buffalo to pass it a hundred times, take six or seven shots. Great A shots, by the way, they're not just fluttering at the net. No, they're like point blank. And Mackenzie Blackwood, as usual, has to be Iron Man and block every single shot he can, he can make. But at the 940 mark, which is seven seconds left on the second power play of the game for Buffalo, they score on a one-timer by Victor Olofsson, one nothing Buffalo. And you knew that was coming. You knew it was coming, but it's but you still had some optimism and hope that maybe the devils could wake up and realize, oh, crap, we're losing to the Sabres again, who, by the way, are only two points behind us. If we lose, we're going into last place. Maybe we should wake up. That clearly was not the message given to the Devils. But it was only one nothing after two periods, and it was still like, okay, you have 20 minutes. You can go out there with the talent that we have on this team. We can go out there and score a couple of goals and win this game. Blackwood is playing as well as he could, like usual, because nothing changes from him. But the Devils had the devilish meltdown. In the third period, it started with Sam Reinhardt taking a shot that deflected off, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, all five Devils players on the ice up into the air. And then it was knocked out of the air by Buffalo's Rasmus Asplin like he was getting ready for spring training, since we're obviously there for spring training in baseball, scores his first goal of the season, and his first goal in nearly a year, and Buffalo takes a 2 nothing lead. Again, typical type of devil's goal to give up for a guy who hadn't scored in nearly a year. But they score, and it's 2 nothing, And that was it that the game was over because even when the third period started, the devils just continued to just play back on defense. They weren't taking every time they had the puck, they were either dumping it while they were making a change, or there's one guy taking it into the offensive zone. But because again, we're making a change. We're not staying on the ice and trying to be aggressive. This is the result that we're getting. And you can tell me until you're blue in the face that, oh, it has to do with short shifts. The team is tired because we play every other day. Look, I get all that. But when you go out there and you don't show any fight and any life whatsoever, you should be ashamed of yourself. You really should. And if you watch this game from start to finish, you can see point blank that the Devils, right from the first puck drop, had no business winning this game because they showed no life whatsoever. And the Devil and the Sabres continued to hound the net and scored 90 seconds later when Mackenzie Blackwood tried to clear the puck around the boards. It was intercepted by the Sabres. They got it around to behind the net. Taylor Hall's getting pinned, but he got free for a second, went behind his back, passed it out in front to rookie Dylan Cousins, who scored with with about a very, very smidgen of space. And the sabers go up three-nothing, and that was it. And I remember I just turned off the game. I I, I don't usually do that, but I turned it off because I had seen this game way too many times in the past. I thought that after the first 10-11 games, that you know what, this is not the same devils team that we've seen in years past, where they're showing very little offense and our defense isn't doing well, and the only consistent good thing that we have is our goaltending. This was the first game. That really pissed me off that the Devils showed no fighting. They They showed no fight. And I know that there's a lot of people out there like myself that are, you know, saying, oh, the world's coming to an end. And look, if you're not thinking that way, I also understand it. But when you've seen this team play like that, like that crappy type of hockey for the last four or five years, that you are so done with that. You become numb to it. You become fed up with it. Because it's not hockey. It's just slap. You know what? It's just piss poor. Let's just pass it around and see what we can do. It's like they're playing handball and they're just passing it back, passing it back, trying to set up the pretty shot. And it's it's not there because Buffalo is reading these passes so easily because the Devils are playing typical defensive conservative hockey. And that made it super easy for Buffalo. And once again, the Devils scored a, let's call it like it is, a meaningless goal at the end. Linus Allmark, who had a great game when he was tested, particularly in the last couple of minutes when the Devils were actually being somewhat aggressive, he made save after save after save, and I just expected that the Devils were going to get shut out. But that wasn't the case as the Devils did score with 28 seconds left by Nikita Gusev again as the Devils avoided getting shut out. The one positive also other than Newt Gusev now scoring a back-to-back games was that Zaka got an assist on that goal, which actually extends his point streak to seven games. So he's really been on a tear and I'm happy to see him really getting, you know, himself going on the score sheet, you know, this year, but he was one of the few guys that seemed to want to try to do something in that game. And like I said, my hats off to Linus Allmark. He actually really deserved to get that out. that that goal by gusev i mean it wasn't going to change the outcome of the game i mean it didn't make it look any closer no and it really didn't matter because with two tenths of a second left cody eakin scored an empty net goal to regain the three goal lead and the sabers ended up winning this one four to one. Oh, and by the way the devils did give up a power play goal as i mentioned before that's four power play goals in the last two games elaine nazardine needs to be fired he needs to be fired immediately. I'm not talking about getting rid of players, nothing like that. Elaine Nazardine has been an absolute joke when it comes to this penalty kill and this defense to an extent. I would say when it comes to five on five, we are actually one of the better teams. Statistically, we're in the top five when it comes to the average amount of goals. We give up five on five. But once we take penalties and we go on the penalty kill, we are the worst team. We are a sorry excuse for a National Hockey League team. We look like garbage. We look like a junior hockey team. That is how bad we look. And Elaine Nazardine is a big reason why we are this bad. And I know that the devils wanted to keep him to have some familiarity with the players and, and everything. And he earned, you know, considering the, the pretty solid job he did as the interim head coach, but he's still part of John Heinz's staff. And he still has that stupid defensive conservative system engraved in his brain and this is the result that we're getting from it. And if this continues, the Devils are not gonna win very many games the rest of the season, and they're not gonna look competitive. So I hope that Lindy Roth, even with the little practice time that they have, they're working solely on the penalty kill and power play. You don't have to talk about how we do five on five, because the Devils can skate with anybody when it comes to five on five. But once we get on a power play, or once we get on a penalty kill, We need to actually look like a competent hockey team because what I've seen for the last three games is bullshit, is absolute disgusting, a a completely crap sandwich bullshit type of hockey. It's disgusting to me. And I know I'm not the only one out there that is saying this. It's so obvious. And if you've been a Devils fan for long enough, you have seen this type of play year in and year out. And look, I get it. We're a young team. We're the youngest team age wise in the National Hockey League. We have a lot of guys that are playing a huge amount of minutes for the first time in their career, and we're playing every other day and back to back on the weekends. I get all that. But at the same time, you still have to look competent. There's other teams out there that have to deal with some of this crap as well, and they look just fine. So, all in all, here, ladies and gentlemen, These last three games have been putrid. And I hope that these players and this coaching staff looks themselves in the mirror before tomorrow's game or today's game against Buffalo and says to themselves, that's never happening again. We are never allowing that to happen. If I was Lindy Ruff, if we take a penalty, I know you only have one timeout per game. But if we take a penalty, I call timeout. I look at everybody on this bench and say, this is not happening again. We are not giving up a goal here. We are going to get the puck. We are going to clear it. We are going to create maybe an odd man rush and op- an opportunity going the other way. We are going to be aggressive. We are going to be ultra aggressive. You can take risks with a young team. We look, we have very little to no expectations for this entire season. Take those risks, see what you can produce. And yes, it's really difficult when you don't have shutdown guys like an Andy Green or a Blake Coleman that could score a lot of shorthanded goals. And obviously those guys are missed a lot. But you also have to get other guys to create themselves into that type of player. You can do it if you develop them correctly. And I still have a lot of faith in this coaching staff for the most part and the organization itself. But if you're going to continue to play like you played the last three games, I'm sorry, but this season is already over that. And again, I know we're not supposed to be a playoff team. We're not supposed to be this, that, and the other thing. We're supposed to finish toward the bottom of the NHL at the bottom of this Mass Mutual East Division. But at the same time, we have proven through nearly 15 games that we can compete with anybody. We have beaten the Boston Bruins twice, once on the road. We have been able to beat the Rangers. Now, I know the Rangers are not one of the top teams in this division, but still they're considered to be better than the Devils. We have been relatively competitive against Philadelphia. It was a relatively good start against Washington on Sunday until we crapped the bed and blew a lead for the umpteenth time. We can do this. We can be competitive against these teams in this division. We have to get back to the way we were playing before. Now, whether it's you also want to say that Teams are no longer surprised about playing the Devils. They know what they can do. They know how we could slow, how they could slow them down. You know, whatever you want to say, you could still make changes and improve. So I hope that the Devils, like usual, get off to a really good start in this game against Buffalo and keep it going for 60 minutes plus, if you have to. Keep being aggressive. Dictate the pace. Do not allow Buffalo to just go willy-nilly. And if, in fact, you do have to go to the penalty kill, kill off the penalty. Don't just give up. Don't allow them to pass the puck 100 times and get really point-blank shots. Get in front of those passing lanes. Get in front of these guys and get that puck out of there. And if you get on a power play, I have one word. Shoot. Shoot the puck. You are paid to shoot the puck. You have a man advantage. It's called the man advantage for a reason. You have more room to shoot the puck. Shoot it. Don't worry about it getting blocked. Don't worry about looking for the perfect shot. Shoot the freaking puck. If you do all these things, there is a 95% chance you are going to win this game. And you're playing a Buffalo team that you know damn well You are just as talented and just as competitive as I know. Buffalo has been struggling. Stop giving them hope because you're, you're taking away your own hope from your own team and giving it to Buffalo who has been struggling mightily. You have the opportunity to split this back to back. Then you have to go play Washington later this week, get some confidence Grow some cojones and go out there and play 60 minutes of consistent, competitive, scoring Devils hockey. If you do that, you're going to be fine. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts. So that could be Spotify. That could be iTunes. That could be Google Podcasts. You know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, pod N-E-T, net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the MoFobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. again. New videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T H E N V P S H O W, my personal Instagram at N V P Q B 11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now. The first is J E T -S 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 S. Pain, pain, pain—the agony and the ecstasy. Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So, from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions—you know where, you know anything we could think of—it's in this book. So, this is really for the Jets fan. So, if you're a Jets fan, a football fan. If you know someone one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, Pain, Pain the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets man, and also meet the Mets mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Piano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day. You know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt And one last thing, rock on. Woo!